Shalom. I'm Rabbi Richard Address, and welcome to Seekers of Meaning, the podcast arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. We thank you very, very much for joining us on today's edition of our podcast and TV. If you'd like to touch base with us, give us some ideas, suggestions, comments, just email me at rabbiaddress at jewishsacredaging.com. And as you know, these podcasts in many ways are designed to discuss the implications of the revolution on longevity that our community and our congregations and organizations are living through right now. And it is to that uh, end that we welcome to our microphone and camera Rabbi Chuck Kroloff, the uh, Emeritus Rabbi of Temple Emmanuel in Westfield, New Jersey, uh, here to talk about his new book, uh, recently published, uh, Open Our Eyes, Moments That Shape Our Lives, conveniently available on uh, Through the Great God Amazon. And um, we'll talk about that in a minute. Chuck, welcome. Thank you for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for inviting me, Richie. It's a joy to be with you on uh, your very special podcast. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, so, open our eyes. Um, you begin this book, uh, Moments That Shape Our Lives. It's a, it's a compendium of, um, I, would, I guess it's safe to say, thoughts, reflections, comments um, on your life as a rabbi. Uh, you talk in the beginning about the influence uh, of uh, a, a song from Jeff Klepper. Uh, for many of you who, who perhaps are watching or listening to this know Jeff and, and, and Danny's work. But you also quote uh, the great Rabbi Heschel, uh, talking about uh, reflecting on our lives and the goal of living a life of radical amazement. I'm struck by that quote. It's one of my favorite quotes. Um, what do you mean by that? How do, how do you interpret that phrase, radical amazement, in your life? Well, thanks for asking that. Let me uh, start by saying that I've studied that. Uh, passage and Heschel uh, over 50 or more years in philosophy and in uh, teaching Jewish texts. Uh, and as I retired and, and aged, it became more and more meaningful. Uh, we all have moments. We all experience moments over a lifetime. Uh, some of those moments are very significant, uh, quite major, and many of them are, appear small, but are impactful. Um, what I've tried to do uh, is read uh, and hear Heschel in a way uh, that it helps me look at those moments, uh, the moments that occurred in my life and your li our listeners' uh, lives as well, of course, um, and to they bring into sharp focus what is important to us in our lives. Looking at moments and be radically amazed by what they can teach us, sometimes insignificant ones, sometimes um, much more so. Um, and if I may, Richie, uh, i just refer to um, the first uh, anecdote that I offer, which uh, resonates with lots of, of readers. I've heard lots of comments about it. When I was uh, a young boy uh, uh, growing up in the south side of Chicago, uh, I was about seven or eight years old, and uh, my friends and I would play outside, and the Buick automobile had this uh, emblem on it on the front. You may remember it. Uh, it's a, a circle with a little bullet-like uh, figure coming through it. 
and they were very loose and they fell off so easily. <laughs> just, no, just slipped off. We kind of, we kind of collected some of my friends collected. One day I, I picked one up. Well, I didn't exactly pick it up. I eased one off the top of a Buick. I eased mm -hmm. it off. You liberated and, it. Uh, you separated it. It came off very easily. It was going to fall off anyhow. Uh -huh. uh, and, and I put it on my dresser. My father came home that evening and he looked at it. What is this, Chuck? And I said, well, it, it was uh, this Buick uh, mascot that uh, came off so easily. Every uh, it's, it's out there. He, he said, well, it doesn't belong to you. Uh, that's stealing. And I said, um, everybody's doing it. Five or six of my friends all have them. It's, it, everybody's doing it. It doesn't make any difference, he said, whether everybody's doing it. Um, that's stealing. Tomorrow morning, I want you to uh, take it, try to find who, who it belongs to and take it back to them. Uh, offered to pay any uh, any damages. Um, I was embarrassed. Uh, I was reluctant, but I but I I did that, um, and I never forgotten that. Um, and later on in rabbinical school, I studied uh, Exodus uh, chapter twenty three verse two: uh, "Do not follow a multitude to do evil." I was following a multitude of seven year olds to do a little thing that wasn't wasn't right. Um, What's interesting to me is I've gotten about a dozen letters or, or comments from friends uh, and from readers that I, I didn't know um, who shared with me a similar instance in their life, uh, the little thing that they did, and how that uh, really amazing moment uh, helped to guide them when later on they may have been tempted to do something that was not quite right. Uh, so that's... that's um, a full answer, I hope, to radical amazement. So let me, let me, you know, th this concept of radical amazement and, and Heschel's concept of awe and wonder, it's getting very, very difficult in the world in which we live to conceptualize or even, I think, live that. It, it, the, as you know, uh, Things are so overwhelming. We are in such a state of transition. You write in a couple of sections um, within the book about faith, and in one of them, the power of religious community. I, I, so, given all the stuyot, craziness, jumeling, uh, whatever the correct, not untranslatable words are. Um, you remain, it's obvious as you read through the book, steadfastly um, in the corner of saying the power of faith and the power of a religious community to shepherd you or to show you this concept of awe and amazement. Walk me through that. How do you, how do you explain that? Well, first of all, I, I want to offer the caveat uh, that it's uh, not a straight line. It's uh, it's two steps forward, one step back, one step forward, two steps, three steps back, and then I hope four steps forward. I hope we're moving forward. I think of uh, Martin Luther King's uh, well-known to your listeners, the, uh, not originally with King, but uh, he made it famous that the arc of, moral, of the moral universe uh, is long, uh, but it bends toward justice. It's a, uh, it's a slow bend. Um, so what, I, what I've done uh, is 
I've thought back on the times when religious community has made a difference, uh, such as when I, as I boarded a bus uh, in 1963, in August of 1963, uh, with members of my uh, early congregation uh, to attend the March on Washington. Uh, uh, that was a moment of religious, of the power of the religious community. Uh, and then fast forward, um, when a friend of mine in the congregation invited me to partner with him in trying to uplift, raise the educational uh, hopes and aspirations of um, uh, young students who um, were at a disadvantage, uh, we we. Um, mobilize the religious community to support uh, our program, uh, I Have a Dream, which I write about, uh, which um, helped 55 students in low-income area near us uh, to go on to post-secondary education. It was the power of religious community. Um, and, and then uh, with the um, attack on Roe v. Wade and uh, the... Uh, uh, the end of that protection and the and the power of of religious community in in asserting and this of course is an ongoing effort where we're still in the middle of that um, I have seen again and again on a local level sometimes regional and national but usually local the power of community uh, and the impact that it has on individuals and on uh, social policy. Uh, so uh, that's that's awesome, uh, and it's it's hopeful, but it's it, it's a tough it's a tough fight. Is the synagogue Chuck still the only major institution in the Jewish world that makes Jews? As several people have commented, yeah, uh, I don't think it is. Uh, no, there are. There are other ways of, of doing it. I, I, um, uh, I, I see camping, uh, Jewish camping as major impact. Of course, Jewish camping gets a tremendous boost and in injection by the synagogue, but the synagogue isn't the only source, uh, of course, of, of Jewish camping. Uh, but that's, that's certainly major. Um, there's, uh, you know, Hillel, obviously. Uh, but Hillel's only on the, uh, at the, the age of college. Um, I believe that the synagogue is still the central institution of the Jewish people. I'm convinced of that. Uh, but we have we have allies. We have lots of allies, and we need to work as closely as we can together uh, to accomplish what we we yearn for. Yeah, and I know the camping because you write about Blue Star and yeah. and uh, some of the and, and um, some of the impact with the major impact of of that on not only you but so many of our colleagues who who were who came up through either the camping movement of the Union or Ramon the conservative movement had a profound profound impact on them. Um, if I can interrupt, I met my wife uh, Terry there. And, and Richie, as, as recently as yesterday at uh, six o'clock, I was spending some time with 
uh, a a 13-year-old kid, uh, our next-door neighbor, who's going to be bar mitzvah this Shabbat. And I asked him about what, what was influencing him, what was important to him as a Jew. And I think the first or second thing that came out of his mouth was his Jewish camp. Oh, no. Right. There's, yeah. there's no. Listen, um, I've been working with Camp Harlem, as most of you know, the finest of the URJ camps since 1963 and we're now in the third generation of my family going there and in fact my granddaughter has on her phone a, a, a thing of counting down the days until she goes back to camp so it, it is hugely impactful and formative so, uh, speaking of p things that are impactful and formative you you write um quote how does a synagogue church or mosque become a moral compass how does a friend relative or public figure become a moral mentor, unquote. It's a great line, and I was reminded when I read that of a, uh, of a comment by the late Rabbi Jonathan Sachs about people who have, instead of textbooks, they have text people, T-E-X-T, -E text people, which I thought was a great line. Um, who are the text people in your life, Chuck? Who are those people who formed you, mentored you? Yeah. Well, one of the um, those is uh, on the cover of the book. Uh, that's a picture of uh, the philosopher Martin Buber and his teaching of, of I and Thou. Uh, so Martin Buber, um, if we had more time, I'd uh, love to talk more, more about what, it, what I and Thou means. But it's also, there's a brief description in, in the book, uh, Powerful Mentor. Um, rabbi Jacob Rothschild, who was the rabbi of the, the temple in, in Atlanta, um, uh, was a mentor. Uh, he was, he was my teacher as a kid. Mm. Uh, I was in his confirmation class and, uh, can, our listeners can Google, uh, Jacob Rothschild, uh, and learn about his extraordinary leadership in civil rights in Atlanta in the, uh, 1950s and, and 60s, culminating with the bombing of the, the temple in Atlanta. Um, after ordination, I worked with Rabbi Roland B. Gittleson oh, in, right. in Boston, Boston, Temple Israel. Yeah. Um, and I write about Roland, uh, a p powerful uh, individual who became known nationally with his uh, sermon, memorial sermon at the cemetery in Iwo Jima, also worth uh, a good look and, and, a good, and a good read. That uh, brief memorial sermon is available to listeners on uh, wherever they do their, re their, their searching. Um, so very, very important uh, individual. Um, and then um, my father, uh, who was uh, executive with the uh, Anti-Defamation League, uh, and what he taught me about anti-Semitism and, more important, about, uh, about living. And then I read about my mother, uh, who uh, was quite a uh, – um, uh, was, was quite dependent and uh, uh, in her early years, uh, dependent on my dad. Uh, and uh, then when my father died at, at a young age, I watched my mother become more and more resilient in her 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and even well into her 
her 90s. This was a woman who looked to others to do things for her. And then as she grew older, she was doing things for her peers. Uh, quite extraordinary. Uh, less, that lesson was uh, that uh, we can build resilience. We, we may not feel that we're as strong as we would like to be, uh, say, in middle age or, or, or even later. Um, but it's never too late to build that resilience. So those are, those are some of, the, uh, of, of my mentors. Fortunately, I have uh, others as well. No, that's, that's really lovely. Thank you. It, it, it's always fascinating to see, you know, who are those people as who really, looking back, help form who we are now at this stage of our lives. And I, it, you learn a lot about people. And um, uh, just if you if you want to just reflect upon your relationship with Israel, I'd love to to talk about that. Uh, I mean, it's it's uh, it's it's bitter. It's 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 difficult. I mean, Isra Israel is sweet. What's happening now is is bitter. So it's a bittersweet conversation. Let let me start by saying that Israel is is uh, permeates. My, my, my soul, it permeates my bones. I was there uh, for the first time as I turned 16. I was up in the Hula Valley when it was um, malaria infested in the <laughs> 1950s. Wow. Um, yeah, and I, and I, you know, I write about, uh, uh, I write about eating soup in the, uh, in that early uh, kibbutz. Right, uh, right. The, where uh, <laughs> the, um, there's a fly in the soup, we throw out the soup. The second time, there's a fly in the soup. We we take out the fly and, and eat the soup. Third time around, the fly, the soup, everything right. we eat. Uh, I mean, that's the kind of life that, that it was. So I have the most, I have tremendous amazement, and, and there's radical amazement, uh, Heschel's radical amazement, with what Israelis have done large and great, great and, 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 uh, and less than great. Um, so jumping to, to today. Um, all the problems of Israel are coming home to roost. They've, they've been worked around and, and buried, uh, and they surface from time to time, but people go on living their lives, and, and Israel has been able to uh, navigate around those obstacles. Suddenly, because of a combination of circumstances that you could call the perfect storm, uh, the, the political and economic situation, uh, the fact that uh, Bibi Netanyahu was able to pull together a coalition that um, with 30,000 30, votes in this country of millions had gone another way, they wouldn't have the coalition. All kinds of mistakes and good fortune for some um, causes perfect storm. And this is an opportunity for um, a group of people, uh, settlers, ultra-Orthodox uh, ultra extremists, and Messianic nationalists, an opportunity for those groups to accomplish in this window, and they see it as a window, uh, everything that they've been yearning for. And that's, that's the horror. Uh, so I am, 
I, I always try to look for the, the silver lining. Uh, I'm hardened by the numbers of people and the, and the variety of people that have taken to the streets and protesting and people all over the world of good faith who are, are joining with them. Um, I, I believe that they are going to accomplish some kind of, of compromise down, down the line. I, I can't see this going fully forward. Uh, it might, it might, um, but, and, and, and if it does in the short term, um, uh, it is my hope that it, Israelis will right the ship. Even if we have the worst case in the short term, in the coming weeks, uh, I, I believe uh, that the coalition won't hold um, for, for a long term and that Israelis who thought that they were voting in the right direction will see the light and next time around will, will, will do better. That's, that's my, my hope. Short term, this is very, very painful. Uh, and, uh, it is the very existence of, of the state is, is at risk here. We're speaking with Rabbi Chuck Kroloff. Uh, and reflecting on his new book, Open Our Eyes, Moments That Shape Our Lives. Chuck, uh, I know you said it's available on Amazon. Uh, the website, where if somebody wants to go, is there another website uh, that they can order this book on? Yes, uh, they can go to um, Barnes & Noble, of course, and to booklocker.com. Oh. That's booklockeronewordcom also available. Uh, in the middle of this book, up pops Norman Cousins. <laughs> and see, you laughed. And uh, this idea of uh, you, you channel a little Nachman of Bratislav on joy and the power of humor and the power of laughter. Some people who may say, well, what is Norman Cousins doing here in the middle of this, uh, this book? So talk to me about uh, Norman Cousins. Yeah. Well, you know, as I, as I study and teach and preach, I, like, like so many rabbis, and I know this is true of you as well, Richie, you know, we pull from lots and lots of directions. Um, and Norman Cousins, who's one of the, you know, the great writers and, and I think popular thinkers of, uh, our last century, uh, but he, he was in the, he was in the hospital, very serious. Uh, he, he writes about how uh, he, he just could not deal with how uh, the hospital was constantly, and the uh, uh, doctors, and nurses, and techs were constantly in, invading. He could, couldn't sleep for ten minutes. Right. Uh, he puts he puts up a sign: um, bloodletting eight a once a day, eight a.m. only. <laughs> um, uh, it's his humor, and it's also his. Imposing himself, he, I don't know whether he had an advocate at the, then. We all need an advocate if we're in the hospital. Uh, and uh, then he ordered up uh, Groucho Marx movies, and he, he watched he watched comedies, um, and he became convinced that laughter helps to heal. Um, that was later uh, substantiated in um, uh, in scientific uh, testing. Um, and, and I've, I've done, I do something, um, if, if I'm 
down or distressed or find myself a little a little grouchy, I will put on physically a smile. I will force myself to smile. I'll do that right now. <laughs> okay? It's a, it's, it's a forced smile. That wasn't supernatural, although I'm happy to be here. Um, but um, studies have shown that smiling, whether naturally or even forced, uh, creates a situation where your muscles and the rest of your body respond and create a, a, a lighter and more comfortable state of mind. Right. Um, so here, here comes cousin. One of the, you know, one of the great things about being Jewish, Richie, is that we do draw from many, many sources. I'm, I mean, I'm deeply impacted by Torah, Midrash, uh, Talmud, uh, Jewish philosophy, but I'm also profoundly impacted by, um, uh, the folk songs of Pete Seeger, uh, and, uh, the writings of Norman Cousins. Uh, if, if we Jews are anything, it's, it's, we're eclectic. We're pulling from lots and lots of directions. And, and what a blessing that is to be, to be open. And here again, I, I'm radically amazed, uh, on a long-term basis, long-term, decades, lifetime, if you will, by uh, the teachings of, of Norman Cousins and Martin Buber and uh, mentors that I've referred to. Um, they're coming at us from lots of different directions. So what I encourage the reader to do is to step back and to ask questions like these. Um, who, who have been the most important influences during my life and what am I still carrying with me? What do I still take take with me um uh, what what moments in my life have uh, are, are still powering me um I, I refer to the fact that we were at the white house uh, had the had the privilege of being at the white house uh, for the signing of the israeli egyptian peace accord and that we uh were in that moment where we were dancing in the portico there at the white house till 1am just terry and me and a couple of other couples and um, I write about it uh, in the book. I go back, uh, but so that's a, that's a nice moment. And you know, the White House is is cool and so forth. But it's still living with me. Terry and I continue to dance from time to time, and that time in the White House still um, uh, invests me and supports me uh, and gives me joy, even decades later. And uh, just uh, last year, we were having dinner outside in one of the shacks on the Upper West Side of New York, um, and there was a, a, um, a violinist, or I'm sorry, a, sax a saxophonist. He was playing near Terry's, and I said, you know, we danced at the White House. Let's dance on West 68th Street. <laughs> <laughs> we got up and, and did that. So here, here's an, an, an experience, a moment. From uh, that would have been forty plus years before, that impacted us right there last year, uh, and we and we and we danced. Uh, so keep the joy going. Don't uh, a joyful moment can uh, nourish you and power you forth at other times as well. Even as I speak to it uh, about it right now, I'm, I'm feeling 
excited, enthusiastic. No, you could tell them. That's why I'm encouraging uh, the readers to uh, pick up on these moments of their life and and let them continue to live and burst forth. Well, that's why there's this, you know, there's so many things being written now about uh, as we as we get older to incorporate the sense of gratitude uh, in uh, in our own life. Before we run out of time, I, I want to just focus and ask you to comment on this wonderful towards the end, the end of the book, a section called Growing into the Sunset. And you talk about this idea, this the Jewish concept of shlemut, of wholeness, uh, as we age. Talk to me about your sense of shlemut as we enter the third, fourth stages of our life. Right. Well, shlemut um, has the same root meaning as shalom. And most of your listeners know the word shalom, meaning peace. It uh, comes from the same, derived from the same word. So shlemut goes a little bit further than, than peace. Shlemut um, suggests wholeness or completeness. Uh, and as, as we age, if we can gr- bring the pieces of our lives together into uh, some kind of, uh, of, of meaning um, where it, it, it's beautiful for ourselves, but it also uh, has a transcendence. It has a, a sense of uh, it's connected uh, to something greater than ourselves. So for me, shlemut, wholeness, completeness is, is in the I and thou relationship of Buber. It's, it's in uh, a feeling as we grow older that, hey, I've, um, I've, I, I've accomplished what I want, what I hope to do in my professional life. Uh, not, not everything, but, a, but a lot. Um, that, our our family, uh, you know, with its warts and with its challenges, every family has its challenges. But our family is 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 strong and and robust um, and supportive of each other uh, as best they can, and, and we support each other. Uh, and that we're also doing our part to help make the world a little better place. Um, all bring all those pieces together and say, hey, it's starting to fit together. And maybe it does have something to do with something greater than myself. Um, that, that's the sense. It's a, it's a peacefulness of the parts starting to, to fit together. Um, now, it's not going to be perfect, and, then, and there are going to be rough edges, and some of those pieces won't fit. But if you have a sense that it's mostly together, and that you've navigated through whatever challenges uh, have been brought to you, and it's whatever challenges some of us create ourselves in our lives, um, to sit back, to smile, to relate, to connect, uh, and to uh, believe that, yes, uh, the world is basically good, and that um, uh, we, we can move together um in a sense of, of goodness and wholeness and peace. Thank you, Chuck. Um, Thank you very much. This is a great great coda. Uh 
the book, Open Our Eyes, Moments That Shape Our Lives, uh, Rabbi Chuck Kroloff, Emeritus Rabbi of Temple Emanuel, Westfield, New Jersey. Chuck, thank you very, very much for your time. And, and really, just stay safe and stay healthy and um, just take care of yourself. And thank you very, very much. Thank you. A joy to be with you. Appreciate it so much, Richie. Be well. My pleasure. My pleasure. To all of you, thank you once again for joining us on Secrets of Meeting, the podcast arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. And again, if you'd like to make a comment or suggestion, email me, Rabbi Address, at jewishsacredaging.com. Check out the Facebook page, Jewish Sacred Aging on Facebook. If you'd like to make a donation to help support our work, go to the website, jewishsacredaging.com. Uh, just click on the donate button. And if you're interested in sponsoring some of these uh, podcasts, again, just email me uh, at rabbi address at jewishsacredaging.com. We'll take it from there. Uh, once again, a big thank you to our producer, uh, Steve Lubetkin, because these podcasts are produced at the studios of Lubetkin Media Companies in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Until we see each other again, thank you very much. I'm your host, Rabbi Richard Address. In the meantime, take care of yourself, stay healthy, stay safe, and be kind. Bedarabah, shalom.